Welcome back to the Mail Right Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are super excited. We know that you are tired of having heard John and I just talk amongst ourselves for the last few times. Ryan Smith from Launch Your Farm was gracious enough to join us today on the show. I don't want to take steal his thunder. Ryan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Awesome. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited to share my love of geographic farming with your audience. I know that from my own experience and the agents that I've trained in, that when they learn to implement geographic farming in their business, they can really take their business to the next level. So I'll kind of share a quick backstory of who I am and, and why I'm here and then what I want to share with you. So I am a licensed agent myself. I've been in the business about 15 years. Uh, my kind of not claim to fame, but it's, it's geographic farming. But I, the reason I became successful at geographic farming was because I moved multiple times. So I started in the business my very first time I got started. I moved three and a half hours away from where I lived. I knew nobody other than my aunts and uncles that lived in the area. I had no idea what I was doing. And I kind of bumbled my way through the business. And then I moved again. After a couple of years, I met someone and I moved to, to be with her. And I didn't know anyone other than her. And I kind of refigured it out again. And then I kind of got some momentum going. Then I moved again and I started taking the things I've learned and I realized I had failed along the way. And then I took kind of what didn't work. I started compiling what did work. And I'm someone who loves to learn and I learned and learned and learned and learned. And I also learned through failure and I failed so many times. And I started realizing that there were some patterns and things that were successful that were other agents were doing that I wasn't doing. And then I became really obsessed with geographic farming. So my third move, I basically started this farm with a, a business partner of mine. And we kind of, I would like to say, we cracked the code on kind of what was working. I took all the failures, left that out of the business and took the kind of the best practices and really started focusing on becoming a hyper-local expert and becoming that go-to agent in, in the area. And really that launched my business even further. After a few years, we I sold that off to my business partner and then I started doing more coaching and training. And I was working as a productivity coach in the office. And I realized that, I had a real passion for helping other agents grow and miss the mistakes or skip the mistakes that I was making. And I wanted to help agents kind of speed up the process and not have to go through all the money and the time and the headaches and the heartaches of failing on your own. And I wanted to share that with other agents. So I started doing this just before COVID uh, started. I was getting it started and COVID hit and it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise and it really helped me really focus on what I'm doing. And so the last couple of years, I've been really helping agents grow their geographic farms and, and become more passionate about it. So that's the long-winded so, answer. <laughs> so so that, that's a hell of a journey. Before I hand it over to John, I'm just, let me make sure that I understand what you're doing today, right now. Are you a coach? Are you a writer? Are you a blogger? Are you all of the above? A little bit of everything. So no, I mostly focus on education and training. So I've got some courses and programs. I also have a podcast as well. So I interview agents who are doing hyperlocal and geographic farming uh, in their business. And I've sharing their love and passion and strategies that work with other agents and helping bring that love of geographic farming to, to the world. Beautiful. All right, John, my, my man, my, my, my English man with the plan. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for those people that are lucky enough to be joining us for the first time? Yeah, you always make me laugh, Rob. Um, thanks. I'm the joint founder of mail-right.com. We build beautiful WordPress websites that you own, you won't lease. Um, if you're looking to get into the luxury side of the market, we can build you a beautiful custom solution. And we have a suite of marketing tools that will help you get some quality digital leads. Back over to you, Robert. 
And ladies and gentlemen, for those handful of you that may not know me already, I am uh, probably the most real experienced real estate online marketing consultant that uh, currently works in the U.S. Been doing it for 14 years. I founded a technology company that focuses on uh, websites and SEO for real estate agents. Uh, it's Inbound REM. And if you want to learn more about anything that I am doing after you watch this stellar job that I'm about ready to do on this podcast, feel free to go to inboundrem.com. All right. So without any further ado, I certainly have quite a few questions, but as per his usual, uh, it is John who has done all the groundwork for the show. He is the one who communicated with you. Uh, you two coordinated with each other and you know came up with the guests. So John, usually it, he's magnificent. He usually has a series of prepared questions that you like. So before I get into my shit, <laughs> John, is there something that you'd like to, 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 to kick us off with? Yeah, thanks for that, Rob. So, Ryan, I think a great place to start the conversation based on our off-air chat is that your emphasis, and I, I think you totally agree with this, in mixing what I call, what I've called the Buffini mythology of building um, like 300 people in your community that will refer clients to you and building a, a really local focus um, referral engine. But you also link that with advice and um, consultation about you should combine that with digital marketing. And I've noticed in almost the four, close to five years of doing this podcast, which blows me away, <laughs> um, is that a lot of agents can do one or the other, but a lot of agents struggle doing both and doing both well. Yep. First of all, would you agree with that statement? And second, have you got one or two insights why you think that is? Yeah, I think it's totally true. And I think, as like you mentioned, the, the Buffini method, I love his stuff. But I find that a lot of people who have used something like the Buffini method, if you don't have a database to work, you don't have people to follow up with and build relationships with. And again, from my own experience, moving and starting over in a place I had knew nobody that method wouldn't work for me. So I had to start with online marketing to start to fill my funnel with leads. And what I've learned is that when you do that at a hyper-local level and you get real focused with it, you become that community ambassador, it becomes even easier when you're the specialist in the area. So that's where I started combining my offline marketing and really doing a taking that from uh, adding... The, the, the online marketing to the relationship side of things. And that's where I, I talk about CPR is something I, I coin It's community positioning and relationships. And you have to start with the community first. You have to put them ahead of the transaction. You have to have that community that you're going to serve. Then you learn to position yourself as an expert and an ambassador. And then you build relationships. And so many agents are focused on the transaction and not the actual relationship itself. And in my experience, the ultimate goal of real estate is really to build and strengthen relationships. The kind of byproduct of it is selling homes, but you need to learn to build relationships. Now, how do you fill that funnel? How do you build that pipeline? That's where you can start getting into digital marketing strategies, online and offline marketing and different things like that. But you have to ultimately think relationship at the end of the, at the, end of the goal. And that's kind of where when you refocus that way, it becomes a lot easier to find opportunities to do marketing when you're thinking about hyper-local and then building that relationship long-term. So when you still had your license um, and you were responsible for building um, a uh, your business up again, 
Yep. Can you give us a couple of examples of maybe the third move or the fourth move? Like what, what did you do? Like what was your specific hyperlocal strategy? Perfect. Yeah. So the thing that when we built that farm that first time that were, or the, the, the time where we kind of cracked it was we did what we call the neighbor to home prices report. And we did a monthly report. And what we did was we created a sales report each month. And what we did was we had a binder. I don't have it here, but we got binders from like the dollar store. And we had a binder and we had a hard copy. We had a little cover on the front and we would go around and we'd ask people if they want to get a copy of the report and we would send the report out each month. And then each month we would update it. So we'd print out actual hard copy of the sales. We'd have a newsletter and we'd have some information each month and we had it all hole punched and ready to go. So we would go out and we would door knock it each month and it would be only to the people that would put their hand up. And that's where creating that we, we, our farm was about 3,600 people. And then we ended up having about 450 people in our, in our database and our report that we're getting it. And we would drop that off each month. So we were getting face to face. We were creating conversations. We were building relationships. And then they were holding on to it and they were keeping that and keeping the value of that. And they would come back and we'd go to an appointment and they'd have it on the desk and they'd, they'd have it either with them. And what it did was it created an educational piece. It created an, uh, a marketing piece because we were promoting ourselves. We were partnering with local businesses. They were helping sponsor it. We were doing community events and we were putting that into our newsletter and things like that. So it was a way to stand out and create value that people wanted each month. And they actually were looking forward to it. And if we even missed a day or two, people were like, hey, we haven't got a report. What's going on? So it, it created something that people would want to get and get consistently. And I use the example with books all the time is that a tangible hardcover, a hard copy thing is perceived has, has sorry has a higher perceived value than a digital copy. I say all the time. I've, I've downloaded all kinds of eBooks. They're sitting in my download section. I have full intentions of reading them, and I just don't have the same value. But when I have a book that I can actually pick up, I can read it on the train, in the bath, in bed, whatever. There's a more perceived value. So what we did was we did online marketing. We would run some online ads to drive people to get the report, and then we would use that to then create more values as we went along. And that was one thing we did. Another thing we did was we would borrow listings from other agents who were in the area. And so if another agent had a listing in, in their farm area that we we're focusing on, we would ask if we could borrow the listing and we would try to promote their listing and try to get buyer leads from that. And that's something I've really honed down and really mastered. And I got really good at classified ads and online ads like Facebook Marketplace. So what we would do is we would compound our efforts because now we're doing marketing in the area. And now we're getting these listings that we're promoting in the area and we are generating leads by promoting those listings. But then what happens is people in the community start to see these listings, even though they're not our own listings, but they create this perception that we're a lot more successful in the area. And then we started getting leads and then we had buyers and then we would go to a, a listing appointment and we would say, hey, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, we've got 150 buyers in our database right now looking for homes in your area. So if you list with us, we'd bring a listing or a sheet with all the buyers that we had and we created demand before we even had the listings and we showed up at the appointment and the, the listing of the clients were like, wow, this is amazing. No one's ever showed up with this many leads in our specific area. So we catapulted that way. And, and I think one of the other big parts of the success that we did was we branded ourselves around the neighborhood rather than branding ourselves around ourselves. So our team at the time was the, the Orchard real estate team. And the Orchard was the area that we were focusing on. And we branded ourselves as the Orchard real estate team. So right out of the gate, you could tell that we were specialists. This is what we do. This is the area we focus on. And we would show up to an appointment and people would say, well, you guys are the experts. So you tell me what I should do. And the next appointment was, you're the expert. So you tell me. And we created that perception of, of success. And now 
mind you, I'd never even sold a home in that area before that. But once that started, then we leveraged the success we had and then it became even easier. Once we started getting even more listings, we then use more advertising and more marketing and create the kind of a perpetual self-perpetuating machine. Got you. John? (laughs) I'm just blown away. You provided... I think you provided more insight and value in five minutes than, um, you know, we've, we, we've been blessed with some fantastic guests, Ryan, but, you know, sometimes it's hard to really get to crux of value, but you've just done a fantastic job there. Thank There's you. so many things. I don't know where you want to take this, Robert. <laughs> well, I, I, I would say... What, what John just very ably did is he, he broke down, he got into some specifics and those specifics would have specifics. So, I mean, one of the things that jumped out at me is that you partnered with local businesses in order to get the original reports, because let's say you're going to do a dollar as the cost, hard cost for every binder that you created, right? Yep. Well, if uh, I don't know how many homes are in orchard, but let's just use in a, a neighborhood I am familiar with. Let's just go with, uh, there's a place called, well, no, Aviara. Aviara is a, there's an Aviara in uh, Richmond, Texas. It's got about uh, 575 homes. So just to completely blanket that one subdivision in the suburbs of Houston, Texas, it's $575, not counting the time it takes to deliver or however you're going to get it there. So I'm curious to know, how do you do partnership? Do you do you insert a leaf for the businesses, have a list of businesses at the front, say, hey, this report is sponsored by these guys? And if so, what's that what's that pitch to those businesses? Is it like, hey, give me two hundred dollars and I'll include your name at the front of my binder, but I'm gonna hand these out one by one to everybody in this neighborhood? Like, how does that work? Sure. So I'll start at the beginning. One of the things that we did was we didn't send this to everyone. And that was part of the thing that we did. And this is where the mistake that a lot of agents make, I think, is they try to send valuable things to everyone. Uh-huh. And this is where traditional farming was. You just send out a bunch of stuff to the same people over and over. We went out and we got people to put their hand up and ask for the report. So we went out and we door knocked it and we cold called the area and said, we're putting together a report. Would you like to get a copy? So the initial upfront cost was a lot of money. I, I fronted the money myself. It was it, it was thousands of dollars because it was it cost about 10 bucks for the initial binder with the initial printing and everything else after that. And then it was about a dollar per month after that. So I paid out of my pocket for that initial upfront. Then once we had that, then we went to the businesses and said, listen, we're sending this out to X amount of people in the area. We already had proof of concept. So we showed them, hey, we're already sending this out to this many people that are getting in the area. So some of the things we did, we would have a sponsorship page in the back of the the binder. And then we would start partnering with events as well. And then we would co-brand stuff. So we did some offline marketing. We did some postcards. We would co-brand some stuff together. We did a lot of community events. And that was one of the ways that we co-worked together. And I think one of the things that agents need to consider is that there are other ways other than just cash that you can do to to leverage and partner. So sometimes people may not have cash or sometimes businesses may not have the cash up front, but you can do cross promotion. And that's one of the big things that I'm a big believer in is that you can work together with local businesses and community uh, groups and organizations to to work together. So for example, uh, we're going to pause there. Sure. We're going to pause (laughs) on working with local businesses together, and then you're going to continue. We're going to come back for a part two, but ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go for our break. Uh, We will be right back. 
you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back to the MailRite Podcast. It's episode number 363. We were just talking about some specifics. Ryan was sharing with us very a very specific case study about how he used uh, hyper like a hyper-local strategy is what I would call it. He's calling it geographic farming. Either way, it's how do you get in front of a targeted market and get that market excited about being targeted. He's talking about a lot of value, uh, a binder he's creating. He's talking about how he was creating this partnership with local businesses. He was about ready to give us the specifics before I rudely interrupted him and told him <laughs> we had to go to a break. So if you could uh, take it where you... Uh, you're, getting, you're getting like me, Rob. I'm rubbing it off on you. <laughs> well, you know, three years and 300 some odd episodes or however many it's been, it's it's bound to happen at some point. So um, Ryan, go ahead and uh, please please pick up where you left off. Yeah. So perfect. I'm glad you asked that. Because so like as mentioned before, is that we created the value up front so that we could sell it to the businesses a lot easier. So we had to show that there was people interested and that we already had an audience doing that. So one of the things, like I said, we did was we had a, a sponsorship page in the back. We also put an insert in there. We would do a blog or an article about them. So we'd feature them. And we had a newsletter that went out as well. And we would feature them in the newsletter. So that was part of the things that they would help with. And then I said, community events were a big part of what we were doing. And we would co-partner with some of these things. So one of the things we did was we partnered with a local bank. And the bank was fantastic at getting us support. Uh, we went into the bank and they got us a table. We got to set up and talk to people. We had our um, listings and stuff up in the in the bank. They had a wall full of real estate listings that we could put up. We got to do a presentation for the uh, the the employees that were there. So we were explaining what we're doing in the community. And one of our biggest, I think, my things I'm most proud of was we partnered with a local organization in the community. And they was a father-son team and they would build birdhouses out of recycled wood and then they would sell the birdhouses and every dollar went to the hospital. So there was a, I'm in, was in Burlington and there was a big hospital being built or being built onto. And at the time, I think they had raised, it was like four or $5,000, maybe it was actually a bit more than that. But we, I, I just fell in love with what they were doing because it tied in so well with what we were doing, which is we're in real estate, we sell houses and birdhouses go well. It's, it was an awesome thing. The, the kid was 18, eight years old at the time and him and his dad were doing this. So what I wanted to do was help promote him. So we, I started promoting him. I did an interview with them. I took some pictures of them. We put them on our social media. And then I got him to come into our office. And then he did a spiel at the office and a bunch of the agents in our office bought a bunch of birdhouses. I think he sold like $1,300 worth of birdhouses to our office. And then the bank that we partnered with, we got together and did a giant sale at the bank. So we partnered with the bank. We got the news was there. We had a bunch of outlets were there. There was uh, some local politicians were there. We got some other businesses to sponsor this event. And I think there was almost $5,000 worth of sales that we had done for this organization. And for us, it was a win-win-win for everybody because it got us publicity. We were on the front cover of our our local newspaper. And I, I would say if I had to pay for that kind of coverage, it would cost me thousands of dollars for that front cover. So we got on the front cover of the paper. We got on all these news outlets and things like that. And it was a great partnership and it worked really well together. We then got involved with, uh, there was a local, like a Montessori school. It was a Waldorf school. It was kind of an alternative uh, kids school. 
and we created a community event. And then we, again, we brought our business partners into that and did some sponsorship that way. So it was really just tying the people that were serving the community already together and bringing them together to help create more relationships and really expand and, and reach more people. Gotcha. Well, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. So my, I think my question would be, so we're, we're ultimately work doesn't matter because because John and I both occasionally present ideas to clients that would ultimately be a lot of work. Yep. The idea behind it is what is the potential ROI? So do you ever case study like when you finally do get a lead or somebody calling you out, do you have a, a close ratio for that lead? Do you have numbers that you could share with the audience about what that yielded you in terms of your yep. total amount of business that you produced off this? Yep. So at that time, this was a few years ago, uh, our total cost spent was about $11,000. And so we started farming in in September. Our first listing came in in January. And from January for the next 15 months, we ended up doing 17 transactions over those 15 months. At the time, we made $235,000. I've made money since then from spinoff and other things. Uh, but it was $235,000. So our return on investment was like 21 times return on investment plus our time, obviously, to, to do that. Uh, our numbers were worked out to be about for every 40 plus, about 40 give or take people in our database getting a report would turn into a transaction. So then for us, it was just how do we get more people onto the report? How do we get more people into our database? And how do we build those better relationships? So it was easy to track. and then. For us, it was. I'm a numbers guy. I love to track things. I've got spreadsheets for all kinds of stuff, and I was tracking how many people we needed to get, how many people could we get out of there, and, and kind of extract. And then what happened was, once we started doing that, we then moved on to another area, and then expanded into that, and then we started a, another kind of different plan around. But then at that time, I ended up selling that part of the business off to my business partner, and then I've since moved on. And I can share from other agents who've used. Things that I've I've taught them and coached them. Like I've had a, a one gentleman that uh, was one of my first coaching clients. He does multiple six figures from his farm. In like over three years, he did about five hundred thousand GCI doing the same thing with the report and the binder. And he didn't do the community events. He didn't do the the other things that we were doing. He was basically just getting out there and, and building relationships. So it was that was came down to choosing the right farm area, the right price point, and the consistency with that was huge. So I seem to hear. A little bit of uh, Canadian in your accent is that. Yes. Where, do you mind if I ask what part of North America you're working in? I am in Canada, so I'm just outside Toronto, about an hour, hour and a half outside of Toronto, depending on traffic. Beautiful, uh, John. I've been hogging uh, the mic, so <laughs> to speak. So um, uh, I, I'm sure you've been sitting on at least a single question, if not more. Why don't you take it away? Oh, thanks, Rob. So I think one of the themes that I love with what you're saying, Ryan, is what me and Robert have been hammering away consistently is what we call becoming the unofficial digital mayor of exactly. your community. Yep. And it's linked to another one of my phrases that you can't be a successful real estate agent in 2022 and be an invisible agent. Yeah. Um, but um, i just got a quick question. You know, you really laid out... Um, a, a really fantastic guerrilla marketing plan. How do you link that with effective digital marketing? Perfect. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And one of the things I would say when it comes down to if you're going if you're trying to stay hyper local is think like a local person and create your marketing around value that would add to the, that community. So one of the first things I would say is start with video. Video is one of the most important aspects of digital marketing in, in today's society. I think one of the best ways to do that and stand out and be different is to do community-based video instead of just being all about me and, and all about real estate is again, create content for the community that you're serving. So one of the things I would start with and one of the things I teach agents is to do local business interviews. So get out there and do some quick, easy videos that you can go out there and there's so many businesses you can do that serve your area. They don't have to be directly in your area. They may may be a pool company. They may be on the other side of town. But as long as they serve the area that you're working in, do an interview with them. It literally costs you nothing. You have a cell phone, you have Zoom, or you have some type of internet connection, you can do an interview then I would use that and leverage that to then build an audience. And the great thing with doing something like that is you can leverage that video in multiple ways. One, you obviously have content for your audience. And that's one of the biggest things. You want to create good quality content that they're going to appreciate. But then it also gets you in front of that local business's audience as well. And I always say that when you interview someone else, you are going to get an audience built into that. And I use the the term it's one-to-many marketing. When I get interviewed by someone, I'm way more likely to share that with my audience when I'm being interviewed. And it's a lot easier for me to go out and tell everyone that I was interviewed on something than share that I did a, a hey, mom and dad, I ran a Facebook ad today. Like my friends and family don't care that I created a Facebook ad. If I'm featured on something, I'm going to be more likely to share that and tell my friends and family because I feel good about it. And it makes me feel nice that someone featured it. Just like this interview, I'm going to share this once it goes out and I'll, I'll let people know. So what happens is those local businesses are going to have that same effect. And when you interview them, they're going to want to share it with their audience. And if they're in business, they obviously have an audience. They've got clients that they're probably going to share it with. So you can find businesses that are well-connected in the community and do some interviews with them. Then you want to then learn to distribute that. And this is where I think that some of the work takes you can do that is good or that doesn't take a lot of work is get involved in local Facebook groups. And that's, again, one of the most underutilized mediums that people are not leveraging, especially at that hyper-local level, is there's so many different Facebook groups. And if there aren't, start one. And the great thing with those local Facebook groups is it's the people that are living in the area that you're serving. And then they're literally focusing on hyper-local content. They're there because they're part of that community. They want to know what's going on. They're hyper local, hyper aware of the local things that are happening in the news that are happening in, in literally street by street. So you can share that message, share those co- that content with them. And then you can become that digital mayor by being that ambassador and really building relationships. And with Facebook groups, the amazing thing is you're literally having conversations. And this is a big difference between Facebook pages for a lot of people that they don't know is that Facebook pages is more of like a push marketing Facebook groups is literally like conversations. It's just like being at a party with someone. You're able to jump into conversations. You can start conversations. You can connect with people and build relationships and, and that you would never, ever have on traditional type marketing if you're just sending out a bunch of postcards. So I would leverage the community groups because you're able to connect with people in a completely different way. And it allows you to kind of fly under the radar and build trust with people and see that you're a person who cares and you're bringing value to the community you serve. Yeah. Love everything that you're saying, um, Ryan. So I've noticed that uh, you managed to uh, get online with uh, Tristan Armada, yep. which is awesome. Um, so when you're, John and I always like to add a little 
something to our show that you may not have spun in another digital like area. So I'm curious to know, is there, is there a little tip or trick that you can't recollect having shared recently with any other podcast or any other person that you've, that you've done an interview with and that you, it could be very small, but something you could share with our audience here. Actually, you know what? Are you going to be, we're 27 minutes into the show. We, we asked for 30. Do you have an extra 10 minutes that you can yeah. spare with us so that yeah, John absolutely. and I could do some bonus content? Yeah, absolutely. So perfect. So why don't you think about it? I don't want to, I don't want to give <laughs> you, I don't want to uh, sucker punch you here on the show <laughs> and see if you can think of something for us. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to spend another, a minute or two wrapping up the actual podcast part of the show. And then anybody that would like to stay with us, we're going to do 10 extra minutes and we're going to throw that 10 extra minutes up on the mail hyphen right YouTube channel for anybody that would be interested in going over there. So Ryan, this is the part of the show where I ask you if there's people that would like to look you up or contact you or try to research your lessons in any particular way, where would you send them? The easiest place is launchyourfarm.com. That's kind of my main hub. You can find my podcast is on there, the courses, my blog, my social media. If you're just searching, you can search Launch Your Farm and Google and basically all the major platforms, you'll find me. Uh, that's kind of the main place you'll you'll kind of you'll see it when you get there uh, if you want to follow the podcast you can click the podcast link and all the the links to the locations are there uh easy to find on social media as well you can find me on with ryan smith it's a little harder as ryan smith because there's a million of us so i would find me through the launcher farm channel and you'll be able to connect with me that way beautiful and john uh who's been far less pugnacious than usual and much quieter um if somebody was uh, going to want to leverage your incredible expertise in either uh, WordPress or building a website or owning the website, any of those things that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, where would you like them to go? Yeah, go over to the mail-right.com. You can book a free discussion with either me and Adam, my partner. Um, work with us. We've got over 12 to 15 years of building beautiful WordPress websites own your website, don't lease it, and let us build, help be your partner to build your business. And I didn't feel I needed to interrupt. This interview's been very easy with Ryan. He's, he's produced <laughs> an enormous amount of value, hasn't he, Robert? He sure has. Uh, no doubt about it. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to learn more about me, reach out to me, contact me, talk to me. Uh, 2022 is probably your last year to do that. Maybe the first part of 2023. Then after that, I'm going to hang up the, um, the headset, so to speak, and let other people do that for my business. Inboundrm.com is the place that you go. That's the word inbound rabbit, Edward, And without any further ado, for those of you who are left, who are interested in the bonus content and Ryan's, uh, just for us tip that I'm trying to coerce them into giving us. You can you find that on the uh, YouTube channel. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm.